Alright, what is going on everyone? This is Leon here and welcome back to Random Chats. Um, I think it was about three weeks ago since I've done the first one and it's been a fucking crazy few weeks since then. There's so much that I want to talk about, um, but I don't want to go in, start going into two-hour podcasts, you know, so I'm going to just try and sum up everything. So um, anyone who follows me on social media already, you probably have seen that I was in the hospital um, last week. Yeah, last Sunday, so... Not not yesterday, because this is going to be uploaded Monday night, so not yesterday, but the week before, um, I had my appendix taken out. Yeah, I just I woke up about 7 o'clock in the morning, and I just had horrible pains in my stomach. Uh, didn't didn't know what it was, it wasn't it wasn't even pain, like you know when you eat something bad and you know that it's 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 not agreeing with your stomach, it wasn't even like that, this was an actual like pain. So I kind of knew something was wrong, I was saying, right, maybe you need to go to the toilet. Um, didn't need to go to the toilet and I was like right what the fuck's this so that was early hours of the morning about six in the morning I woke up with the pain uh, somehow fell back asleep and at about 12 o'clock in the afternoon uh, the pain had shifted entirely it was bad up kind of me upper left ad- abdomen Um, come 12 o'clock I had completely shifted right down to me lower right abdomen kind of nearly on the waistline of me lower right stomach which is exactly where the appendix is uh, so I was a bit worried about it said you know what i'm gonna go into the hospital you know and i was saying am i just being dramatic here but i said because the pain was so centered in on exactly where the appendix would be like to my rough estimate anyway from kind of googling where it is uh, i was just a bit worried and i said look this is your if it's if it is me appendix it's not something that you want to give a day or two to see how you get on because obviously it can rupture and you can you can die i think the blood poisoning it is or whatever but um, I said I'll go in. Now, I didn't actually tell anyone. I think me and Louise were actually fighting that day. And um, I rang her. And I was like, yeah, I'm on my way into hospital. And in the middle, like, because obviously we were kind of bickering back and forth. She was like, what you, wait, what? It was, it was funny. Um, But I went in anyway. And I was in, was in quite a bit of pain. You know that way? Like nothing... I wasn't screaming in the waiting room, you know that way, but it was very, very uncomfortable. Um, and then while I was in the waiting room for, I would say, so the matter hospital waiting room, I think most people in Dublin have probably been in that at some stage. I was in there for, I think, six hours, six and a half hours, maybe seven hours, six anyway. Um, and I finally got called in and they put me on a bed kind of in, in through the waiting room or kind of in where the doctors and nurses are. They got me a bed there, um, and I'm, I'm kind of just mixed up because I've had a couple of scans and things like that. But um, basically, the nurse said, look, we don't think it's appendicitis, but because that pain is so localised to that one area, we're just we're a bit unsure. So I had to wait um, for a doctor to kind of come in and have a little poke and a prod. Um, and what they would do, man, the nurse, she was like, right, I just really need to see where where is hurting you do you know what i mean because like with appendicitis apparently it hurts if you're lying flat on your back to lift your right leg up because whatever way it moves like your groin the groin muscles it pre- puts pressure on it so she had me do things like that um and that wasn't really hurting me too much you know it was just more the general discomfort and um she said okay that's unusual you know and then what she do was with two fingers right firm two firm fingers she'd press down all across me abdomen you know so she'd go up left top where the pain started is that sore no worked her way into the abdomen and i swear to god right imagine like 
I'm trying to think how I could describe this now. Um, something, something kind of doughy. Imagine like a firm memory foam pillow, right? Imagine trying to press all the way down on that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like really, from the top of the pillow, press all the way down and try and touch the end of it. That was about how hard she pressed right in on where my appendix was. And I don't know if it was inflamed or not, or how they tell. They didn't actually tell me. Um, but it was brought in and they done in... I think they done an x-ray or they done some sort of scan anyway. Um, so this all went on as I was, you know, one door through from the waiting room, you know. Um, and while I was there, they gave me a COVID test, which I was... I don't want to say I was excited for, but, it, you know, I've heard a lot about them. They go through up your nose and in the back of your throat. And I was like, right, let's just see what happens here now. And I had um, a female, like, she was somewhere in Asia, I would say. And I'm not even being racist, I'm just not sure. Uh, but it was an Asian woman anyway. She didn't have great English. Whereas, like, even the doctor um, who was pressing in on my stomach, she, was, she had good personality. So even though I was in pain or uncomfortable... She, she was good at her job, she could talk you through it, you know that way? But I got this woman, didn't have great English, and she was like, okay, we're going to do a COVID test now. And I said, all right, so I'm lying down. You know them doctor's chairs where they're like spongy padded leather, they're not really comfortable, I'm on one of them. And she goes, right, um, and she sits me up, right? So kind of, you know, puts her arms on my arms and kind of hooshes me up, gestures saying sit up. So I sit up, right, and I'm looking right at her. And then she says, no, no, lie down. And I was like, what you sit me up for then? So I lie down and she goes, right, tilt your head back. And she says, so I'm going to I'm gonna take this thing. So she had it, it was about probably four or five inches long. And it was just like a little plastic kind of rod thing. And at the top of it, I had, uh, the best way I could describe it is, you know, like those um, things you put down to clean your drain. They have like them hard plastic spikes, the bristles on it. It was like one of them that they weren't hard. Uh, they were kind of like like brushes, almost like paintbrush hairs or something. And what she does is she tilts her head back and goes into your nose. So, again, if you could imagine, right, take your baby finger and put it in your nostril up. You know, there's like a little kind of little cavity up there um, as far as your finger could go. So she goes in there and I was like, okay, that's not too bad. But then about another inch after that, she goes up and those paintbrush bristles, it's like, you know, when someone... Uh, puts a feather on you and that that burning itch it's like that but it's inside your nose it's fucking horrible and she didn't tell me she was gonna do that she put it in and i was like okay and then she just jammed the thing in another fucking inch so obviously i snapped my head back and i was trying to press and she was like oh we didn't get it i was like are you fucking joking so i sat back down and because i knew what to expect it, the second one wasn't too bad and uh, she went a little bit slower but, oh, that itch, you know, it was like a burning itch deep in your nose. It was horrible. Um, so she does that, uh, pulls it out and, you know, puts it in the cover and all. And it's all professional and uh, fucking COVID. And then she took a second one of them, right? Now, this one was this one was a little bit more kind of, it felt more invasive. I don't know, it was weird. So she goes, open your mouth and kind of stick your tongue out a little bit. So I stick my tongue out and she puts it on, again, That you know that point at the back of your throat where if you were to put your finger in your mouth, you could kind of touch the back of your throat where it wouldn't hurt. Again, she done that. And again, this one wouldn't probably have been a full inch because I probably would have gagged and got sick. But she went down probably about half an inch, three quarters of an inch, 
down further in my throat and kind of just wiggled it around in there. Um, it was it was a horrible experience, but it was. I'm glad I got one still. You know that way. Yeah, you know I'm glad I got it. Uh, sorry, I just had to pause there for a second. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, right, I finally got the COVID. Um, I knew I heard people on podcasts and stuff say, oh, it's very uncomfortable, it's very invasive. Um, so I was kind of glad I got it. And she goes, okay, I need one more swab, right? And I was like, what do you mean, like? And she said, um, we're doing this for every patient that we see now. They're doing some kind of a test on everyone who comes through the door. I don't know if it's COVID related or if they're, I don't know what they're doing, but she goes, I need to swab uh, the back. That's all she said. As I said, she hadn't got great English. And I said, sorry, what? And she goes, yes, um, the, 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 I think she said the back passage. And I was like, you need to put that. And she was like, uh, and this is where the bad English really kind of <laughs> frightened the fuck out of me. She was like, I, I put it in and I swab. Um, we have to do it for all people. And I was like, does she just want to stick a little swab up my arse? Like, I mean, I, surely to God they're not swabbing every single person who comes in here's arse. But I was like, well, I mean, she's a nurse. You know, in that kind of social environment, I kind of have to trust her. You know that way? Like, I can't, I can't be like, show your work. Why do you have to do this? So uh, I said, all right. So again, on that weird little hospital medical bed that they always have, they're so fucking uncomfortable. And they just look sanitary. They're just... Oh, you'd never have one in your house, like. Um, so I lo- I'm lying on the bed, and she uh kind of puts me in the uh baby spoon position, and she goes, "So just pull them down," and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is horrific." So I'm 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 currently on the edge of the bed. My arse is almost sticking out off the edge of this fucking horrible bed, and she, she just in one gentle wisp, right? <laughs> like imagine imagine like. A blank white canvas, an artist, right? And he has a paintbrush with a bit of paint on it. And just, he starts on the right side and just goes right across in a straight line. That was what she done. And I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. But it was still horrific. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so all that happened, and that was after waiting in the waiting room for six hours. Um, so it wasn't a very fun time while I was there. Uh, they eventually got me a bed where I spent the night, so I was in one of them, you know, the, like a, it was a ward that was kind of close to the, the ER, it was still fairly close to where the public could come in, but it was behind secluded doors, Um, so I got that bed anyway, I got settled in, I was watching um, a lot of those football on that day, I was watching a lot of that, um, texting people, you know, it was, it was weird, like I went in just with a slight pain, just in my head maybe being a little bit overcautious and, and panic pill, like, but all of a sudden they're like, oh no, we, we think you have it. Um, so I got the scan. I didn't get the results of the scan that whole day. So they, they get me to bed in the evening. I go to bed. I wake up and I'm in this bed. And they they tell me. That whole day, sorry, while I was in the waiting room, I had eaten, I think, two Kit Kats that I bought from the vending machine and a couple of cups of water. That was all I had eaten that entire day. Because I read online that if you do have appendicitis, eating can... Uh, it's a risk that it can cause it to rupture or it can cause certain things because your appendix is attached to your um small intestine i think it's right at the end of your small intestine before the food kind of makes its way out of you um and i was just afraid i was panicked to eat at and um because obviously i had pains in the stomach but the hunger pain started to come on you know that was horrible 
Um, so the next day, they, they told me the night before, you're going to have to fast from 12 o'clock. And I'm like, for fuck's sake. So I fast the entire day. I'm stuck in that one ward all day. I'm, I'm kind of dragging this out now. I'm going to try to get through it now. So I'm in this ward all day. There's some psychopath over here who was brought in. On it, No, to be fair, he was a nice guy. But uh, I heard him, the doctors and the nurses, he was one of these really um, full of personality guys. He was a drug user. He was brought in because I think he actually overdosed on heroin. Um, no, sorry, what happened? He... Uh, I don't know if he was shooting up, but he had fallen anyway, and they were worried he had a bleed on his brain. So, obviously, he was getting a lot of attention, as he should. But um, he was like, oh, I need to get this particular medication. I don't know what it was called. And he was like, oh, yeah, I kind of have um, manic fits of rage if I don't get that. And the doctor was like, oh, yeah, that's no problem. I was like, are you fucking joking me? He's in the bed across from me, and he has manic fits of fucking rage. So that was how I spent my whole the whole second day that I was in the hospital. Um, oh, oh. Oh, sorry, it's actually just the the actual cuts are hurting me a little bit. Sorry, I just paused there. Um, it was actually where the appendix was. I'm still getting kind of little pains throughout the stomach, so it's been, I think it's been a week now to the day, or, or seven days, or something it's been now since it's been out. But um, I was thinking about it. I was planning on doing um, this random chat as a video, but I said, do you know what? No, I'm going to just do the audio, because... Um, there's just there's a lot more work in the video and I kind of want to just get this out because I want to talk about getting the appendix out and it's already kind of getting hazy in my mind so um, eventually I got brought up to a good ward so I ended up having to fast for something like I don't know fucking 34 hours or what I, I didn't do the maths but it's around 34 hours or something and I'm a fucking big boy you know anyone who's seen me recently knows that and genuinely 36 hours the pain the hunger pain was horrible and then it was mixing with the the pain of the appendicitis. Um, but I eventually got brought up. Got brought up to the good ward force that was there for about two hours. They took me weight, they took some bloods, they had an IV in my arm the whole time. They were shooting painkillers in through that. Um, and I eventually got brought up. They gave me the anaesthetic and I woke up high as a kite next to some poor bloke who just had to log a load of data on a computer. And I, I must have waffled the ears off him for what felt like about a half an hour, 40 minutes. And I'm not exaggerating, I was waffling, don't even know what I was saying. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure that's his job, I'm sure that's where he works and he's used to it. And he kind of, he was good, you know, he clearly had shit to do and there's, there'd be moments where he'd zone out while he was working. But he'd jump right back into whatever, whatever random show you i was talking about you know he was he was good at his job like um honestly i could say that for most people who i kind of dealt with in there bar the fucking the one doctor who kept giving me bleeding uh ibuprofen or some shy painkiller but wouldn't call up a porter to get me brought up to the good ward uh, they literally delayed me entire surgery when i got up to the ward they were like oh leon we're waiting ages to get you up here we have this bed ready for you hours I'm like, what the fuck? I'm stuck in this crappy little ward next to some psychopath for about eight hours. Literally about eight hours of the day. All while fasting. It was a fucking horrific day. This doctor's coming in saying, oh yeah, we're just waiting to hear back uh, from the ward, basically, to say when to bring it up. The ward told me, the nurse, the head nurse of that ward said, we're waiting hours for you. We've had this bed here just lying empty. I was like, what the fuck? Um, so I'm in that ward about two hours. Finally get brought up for surgery. And... Um, yeah, even the, the 
I think he was actually the head surgeon because there was there was a couple of women in the room. I think they were the anesthesiologists. I think they're called the, the people who administer the anesthesia, um, to knock me out basically. And the doctor's wheeling me in from the the preparation room into the surgery room. Looks exactly like what you see on the tellies. All the cabinets full of medicine, and it was deadly. It was a great experience. Like, um, and the surgeon was like, "Yeah, we're waiting hours for you." Like we we ha we had you booked in not had me booked in but basically did I got this surgery done at about not no joke about half eleven in the night I was saying is there still gonna be surgeons in the building at this time and they were like we've been ready hours for you we've had we've had you head of the top of the queue but because I wasn't brought up from the shitty ward downstairs at ER to the good ward he said that we've we've had to let other people who are on the list waiting for surgery to go ahead of you. All because this one doctor wouldn't ring a porter to bring me up to the good ward. I was fucking snapping. But eventually, look, I got the appendix out. Um, I was still out on my bin, as I said, talking to your man. I got brought back to my ward. Fell asleep for, so what, it was half eleven. Probably back in the ward and all. I think I was back in the ward before half twelve. You know, that way it was fairly quickly. And um, woke up at three o'clock just in time to watch the main event of the UFC that was on that night. Who was it now? Oh my days, I can't believe I can't remember who it was. Who was it? Oh my god, I'm gonna have to check after, I can't remember. But I, I just in time was really excited to watch the fight. Um, to be honest, it was a great card. Can't remember any of it. High as a kite, as I said. But I was really looking forward to seeing that card, and at least I got to see the entire main event, um, which I was happy about. Um, so that was pretty much it then. Woke up the next day. Had me breakfast, stayed in for the... Did I stay in the whole next day? Woke up and I got me breakfast and then I got a bit of lunch. Yeah, and then my man Louise was supposed to drive up and see me then. Uh, probably about 6 o'clock. Um, 6 o'clock the day after the surgery, they were like, go on home. You know? I was thinking they were just going to come up and... Sorry about that. I was thinking they were going to just come up and um, I'd just go out and stand outside and maybe have a smoke with them or whatever, you know. But um, I was able to get discharged. It was nice. So I've just been healing up since then, really. Um, it's going well. I have a photo of the cuts. So basically the surgery that they done, I'll get through it real quick because we're nearly 20 minutes in now. Um, basically what they done was they cut three holes in me. They cut one on the left side of my abdomen and that's to stick a camera in. So what they do is they, they, they cut the hole and they blow a load of air in through that hole to basically guide the camera across my abdomen, basically right across my stomach from the left to the right to look at the appendix. They looked at it, they saw that it was inflamed. Well, they, they already knew that it was inflamed, but they look at it just to make sure, like in real life. And they were like, yep, it's appendicitis. And then I have a cut right in my belly button. Uh, I actually have a photo of that. I might put it, I was thinking about putting it up on Instagram to gross people out, but it's a bit nasty, so I don't know. Uh, but I have a photo of that. And then I have another cut, which would kind of be, if you imagine where, like, the strings on your tracksuit bottoms would be, just right on the waistline. Um, I have another cut right there. So what I think they done was, because the belly button cut is definitely the biggest. I think on the waistline, they, they made just a little cut and got, like, obviously a small, like, little set of, tweezers or whatever they use and i think they kind of while looking through the camera disconnect the appendix um through that and then cut a hole in the belly button again burrow through and then pull the appendix out of the belly button 
That's what I think they've done. Um, now, I can't say with certainty, but I do have an appointment for the hospital. Well, I have to get on to them, but I should have one for the, this week. And I'm going to ask them what exactly each cut is. But I'm pretty sure what I said there is how it is. Because the cut on the left side has actual stitches in it. So it was obviously the widest and you'd need a wider cut. You know, to fucking stick a camera through my stomach. Um, so I might upload a photo. And then... Yeah, I was thinking about it because if I was doing it in if I was doing a video version of the podcast with me look like looking into the camera talking, uh, it would have been better because I, I could have actually at least even put the image on the screen or, or shown you in person. Uh, I was thinking that would have been good, but um, there's a couple of things that I actually want to talk about that I want to um, show like like photo screenshots and things I have. Um, so what I'm thinking I'm gonna do is I'm gonna just upload one whole bundle of photos that are each relevant to this episode so if you want if you listen to this uh, i want to talk about ufc 253 i want to talk about um dm in a ufc fighter that was fucking deadly um so i'm going to upload all of them uh, as they'll be the latest post on the ld podcast instagram you can go see the cut on my belly button uh, you can see an iv drip in my arm where they're pumping uh painkillers like liquid painkillers strong stuff through it but the blood from the vein is actually leaking out through the IV and into the tube. And I was like, shit, there's blood coming from the IV. And I told the nurse and she was like, basically, it's a back and forth. So everything that's in the bag, the painkiller bag, is going to go into my arm eventually. But the blood is obviously just pushing out a little bit, but it'll all get sucked back into my body. It's fucking mad. All them photos, they're all going to be in one big um, post on Instagram. There's probably going to be seven or eight photos. Um, yeah, so L, uh, at the LD podcast on Instagram and Facebook as well, they'll all be there. Right, UFC fighter who DM'd me. Well, I DM'd him. So, um, I was scrolling f- through Facebook, and Dustin Poirier's Facebook page, uh, like his Facebook fan page, I liked it, and he uploaded a fan art someone had drawn of him, it was great, and um, I had seen in, in the comments of that post there's a guy i think i think because i've clicked on his page before i think he's from taiwan taiwan or thailand i'm not certain i'm gonna check next time but um he has this um artwork that he drew i assume he drew because it's his name on facebook is the name on the art i'm gonna upload that as well so you can go have a look it's of dustin poirier punching um max holloway it's obviously a still from that fight but it's drawn in almost what looks like blue pen but i think it's actually pencil but the detail, like the detail in like the, the Dustin's fist, the UFC glove, Dustin's face, Max's face, Max's tattoos, it it's it's just really good fan art. Um and he's obviously shared it a couple of times on Dustin Poirier's Facebook. So I commented and I was like, I've seen it a few times and every time I see the the drawing, like I notice something new about it. You know, I was kinda of just giving him a compliment. And um he was like, Oh, you know, thanks. And someone else had commented under that photo that he posted, um the the Taiwanese guys drawn and said oh why doesn't he like it why doesn't he show appreciation to his fans now anyone who knows Dustin Poirier like like as an actual celebrity he is known to be a really nice guy Um, everyone seems to talk very highly of him they have a lot of time for him so me and a few other people to be honest didn't really like we were like look maybe his Facebook page is ran by his manager give him the benefit of the doubt and uh, I just got into a conversation with a bloke just about about that about who runs it and i said um 
maybe someone should send this drawn like dm it to him on instagram because like i mean i assume anyway to my knowledge most athletes or, or celebrities in general really tend to run their own instagram you know that way even if they're inactive it's still on their phone it's not their manager um, and I mean you know this because I mean you have family photos like you know people like Dustin Poirier I think he has a little daughter or son or whatever he's gonna upload pictures of her and the manager wouldn't be doing that you know so um, basically I saved the photo the Taiwanese guy's photo to my phone I went on to Dustin Poirier's Instagram I sent it to him with a message I said like uh, big fan uh, I saw this artwork on your Facebook page and I just thought you might appreciate it and um yeah just just a little message i can't even remember exactly what it said now but um a couple hours later he's seen it he liked the the photo and the message that i sent and he replied back with fire as in like it's lit and i just thought that was fucking deadly you know um obviously i took great fucking uh pleasure in going back to the page and commenting underneath the bloke who says um oh he should respect his fans it was like he fucking does like you know um, cause, cause to me, Dustin Poirier is, he's a lot like um, kind of Wonderboy Thompson in that way. Like he's really likable. He, he's he's not hard to root for. You know that way. Like when he fought Khabib, and I love Khabib. I love watching Khabib dominate. But I was absolutely hoping Dustin was gonna pull off the win. And you know he got close. I think he had a couple of guillotines. Um, one of them I think might have even been locked in, but Khabib got out of it. Um, actually, I think that might have been what lost Dustin the fight. Or he took a heavy beating. I don't know if if, if this, this exact sequence stopped the fight. But I think he committed too heavily to a guillotine. And um, it ended up with just Khabib in, in Dustin's guard. And obviously Khabib in anyone's guard. They're pretty much fucked. Um, but I mean staying on UFC for a minute. UFC 253 was a couple of nights ago. Holy shit man. It, that Saturday night for me. Really reminded me. Of one of the reasons why I fell in love with UFC. And that was just actually watching the events. You know. Uh, for people in the UK and Ireland. Um, and I mean I'm sure, I do, just don't know the time differences. But I would imagine it's the same in a lot of Europe. In that um, like the UFC Apex Centre. Or uh, Fight Island which is where this one was. Uh, they, bought their, they start their fights in the time that best suits US time. You know so let's say uh, West Coast of... Um, America, which is where like the apex is, Los Angeles, Vegas, the whole lot. I think they start at like the main card starts at like nine or ten p.m. and it's eight p.m. Eastern, so it's still, it's still good enough timing. Whereas in Ireland, UK, main cards usually start if if a main card started at two, I would be very happy. But it's usually three, um, and can even be half three. And that and I mean, if you have a lot of decisions in a night, one watching one full UFC event from prelims to uh, end of the main event you could be watching from one to half six seven in the morning you know um so if you're if you're a bit tired and you're watching the ufc you're hoping for a lot of finishes um and that event for me i i turned the fights on just as diego sanchez was walking out so i basically saw every fight from there most fights from there anyway um Diego man he's just such a legend you know I love him I, I, I don't care win or lose it doesn't matter it's just it's so great to see him fighting you know um, even the guy he was fighting his name has slipped me memory now but he even said um, basically he was asked how was your preparation for this he said what Diego were you expecting to come through the cage 
the guy goes, I think only Diego knows what Diego is stepping into the cage each night. And it's fucking spot on. I love Diego Sanchez. He's just so exciting, so much pressure. Um, I do think he should retire. I said it about a year ago. Um, I don't think he has another title run in him. You know, I don't even think even close, really. I don't even think he's... I don't think he even has a top five fight in him, you know. But he clearly likes doing it. He enjoys doing it. It's probably... I don't know if it's his main source of income. I hope it's not. I hope he has other shit going on. But either way, I fucking love him. I love watching him fight. And, um, you know, if he's happy enough to keep fighting... Um, he did take some damage, but he, he seems to be smart. I was actually watching him. And while he was downed and... Um, I want to say it was Brad Riddell. Was it Brad Riddell? What was it? 254, wasn't it? No, 254 is coming up. Sorry, it was 253. I'll probably just cut all this out. Um, and if I don't, you know, just enjoy. <laughs> oh my God, definitely going to have to cut this out. You know I'll forget though. You know, you know for an absolute fact. That this fucking... Listen to a lot of Ricky Gervais. So I was going to say this drivel is going to make it in. Um, Where are we now? Where's the fucking prelims like? Prelims. Was he still on the prelims? Hmm. Sorry, it's, it's just bugging me now. UFC 253 prelims. Now I understand like young Jamie and Chin's job. Um, when it comes to podcasting, you know the way because you can't be on a podcast like if I had someone else with me, they could probably uh, fill up the airtime. There's Louise. All right, I found it. So Jake Matthews, it was um, who just beat Diego. Beat him in a decision, actually. UFC two four three, but um, I mean, just an absolutely great card, great fights, um, two title fights, obviously. Jan Blahovic, the new. UFC light heavyweight champ. Um, I was really glad to see it. I kind of, I called it on Facebook. I said I think Jan is gonna catch him, and I really did. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't exactly say he caught him. I expected um, I expected Dominic to be a little bit more precise with his striking, a little bit more accurate. You know, uh, kind of in the same style um that Izzy fought. You know, I expected. You know, I know he's no um, he's not like a mad, He's not an expert striker in the same way that Izzy is. But, I don't know, I just expected a little bit more, maybe a smarter game plan, a smarter strategy of getting in, uh, landing a shot and getting out of the way. Because obviously, like, I mean, you look at Jan Blachowicz and, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to know that he has power in his hands. He's a fucking monster. He's six foot four. Polish power is one of the most accurate nicknames, I think, in the UFC. He's a monster. And Reyes didn't really seem to have much of a plan on getting in, landing shots and either getting out or at least getting out of the way. Um, and it was just one big flurry. Um, Jan just kind of... He didn't run at him. He was obviously composed. But he he kind of pressed at him fairly quickly. And he just caught him. Caught him lovely. Um, I don't know if Jan has what it takes to necessarily be a long, long time champion. Uh, obviously, if he lands that right hand on basically anyone, he's going to hold the title. But, I mean, you look at John. And John was obviously... He was a super accurate striker. Um Again, not to the same extent as Izzy, but you kind of have to ask, is anyone this, as, as accurate a striker as Izzy? You know, maybe Wonderboy, but even still. Um, but John was diverse with his striking. He had good strikes. He had power on his strikes. But 
I mean, just when you think you've seen it all from John when you're watching him standing and striking, then he goes ahead and is the first person to ever take down uh, DC. You know, he had so much more to his game than just one big right hand, and I don't think one big right hand is enough. Um, it's not enough to to sustain the light heavyweight championship. You know, I know that the that that uh, division is kind of going through a little bit of a transition as the the kind of the older guys are starting to make their way out. Or, I mean, they're still hanging around the top ten, but they're they're slowly fading away. Guys like Dominic Reyes, Johnny Walker. Um, Dominic Reyes, Johnny Walker, uh, Stuart Bloke's name, um, Anthony Smith. Uh, there's there's a few of them. You know, there's three or four guys now in the uh, top ten, top fifteen light heavyweight that really only broke through in the last maybe two years. But even still, you know that way the the state that MMA is in right now in 2020, where basically everyone is a black belt in everything. You know that way having one big right hand and I'm not saying that that's all he has like, I mean he has massive body kicks he landed I think he landed two or three massive body kicks um, and the right side of Reyes after one kick was already like a, like a deep red colour like the bruise had formed literally like seconds after the first kick lands and then he lands two or three more of them so and Dominic did definitely he kept that right hand lowered from then on he didn't want to get caught with it but um, you know maybe that affected the game plan you know Maybe I don't look. We can sit here and speculate all day, but I just I don't think Dominic either had the right game plan. Or he didn't have it, or else he had it but didn't implement it right. Um, because of course when Jan is as big as he is, he's going to just press forward and try and land that big shot. Um, still and all, it's exciting times to see. You know, it's always nice to see a new champ. Um, doesn't matter if John Jones stepped down. You know, I don't think so anyway. I think he's the undisputed champ. Uh, Jan Blahovic because I mean look technically John Jones isn't a light heavyweight fighter anymore you know um was there other people that deserve to be there you know maybe you could come here you could argue that but I think when you're when in a lot of people's eyes the go the number one pound for pound fighter in the world um and has been considered that for a long time when he steps down you know that way the division is going to be shaken up a little bit you know, I mean, he basically cleared the division, which was very interesting, very, very smart on Jan Blachowicz's behalf. Um, in the post-fight show, he said, oh, you know, come on back down, John, come on back down. And he was basically just saying he wants to fight John Jones. But what I didn't realise was that in Jones's, I mean, historic light heavyweight uh, title run, he did basically clear out the division, but he never beat Jan Blachowicz. So, you know, not that John needs it, but... That's just another very, very exciting fight that I think could really drum up a lot of attention, you know? I mean, imagine if... Excuse me. Sorry. Imagine, like, like if COVID just went away or we got it under control, right? To the point where we can have fans in stadiums, even at a limited capacity, even half stadiums. Imagine John Jones, Jan Blachowicz, pay-per-view, headlines and event in Poland with a crowd. It would be fucking madness. That fight would do huge. I know Jan Blachowicz isn't the biggest star, but right now his star power just at least doubled or tripled after winning that title. You know that way? Um, so it's just another exciting possible fight. Um, main event, Izzy Costa. I mean, it was just a clinic. It was, it was one of the best, and I know a lot of people have said this, you know, I'm not fucking stepping on any toes, I don't think, when I say this. It was one of the best... Striking performances ever in the UFC. 
Izzy was so precise. And again, it's nothing new. We know, like in the hype to the fight, in the in the build up that the UFC um, made to promo the fight. He says, um, oh, you know, all these big guys have power. He said, I don't think power is special. Everyone has power. He says, I have precision. And that was one of the last things that was said, if I remember correctly, um, on the promo building up to the, the walkout to the fight. And my God, man. It was like, he didn't land every strike he threw. But every strike he threw was thrown perfectly. It was thrown in exactly the right position at exactly the right time. You know, Costa was just able to block it, maybe step out of the way, you know. No one has 100% strike rate accuracy, you know, the way it's impossible. No one lands, well, I mean, unless you're Jorge Masvidal against Ben Askren, you know. But I mean, this was, I think this fight, I think it ended in the second, but I think it was late in the second, so there was about eight minutes of fighting, you know. If you fight someone for eight minutes, I don't care if you're Israel Adesanya or Stephen Thompson, you're not landing every strike you throw. But even the strikes that did land, he just, he fucked Costa's leg all the way up. Uh, there's a really interesting video uh, where a doctor breaks down um, uh, why the leg kicks were so important, basically. And he has like 3D images uh, on his computer where he can remove each muscle and show you exactly. So there's, you know, I, I'm going to sum it up, but basically there's some nerve. I think it's your sciatic nerve, which is in uh, your hamstring that runs down through your knee. And basically, right where Izzy was kicking, on that outside of the knee, that nerve runs right across a bone, one of the one of the uh, bones in your knee. That this nerve runs across, so there's very little protection. There's no there's no muscle covering it. There's very little. I mean, if you feel the outside of your knee, there's very little fat there. There's, I mean, not really. There's it's just fleshy. So that nerve is fairly exposed. And it's when you hear the doctor break it down, he says this is a very very vulnerable area of the leg. And then he just keeps showing Izzy just one after another. He must have landed about eight kicks or so, maybe more, on that leg. He just he fucked him up, and you know he put him away. It was it was it was just an absolute clinic. Um, on the off chance that someone does have a UFC fight pass or if they want to get it, um, UFC two five three uh, Izzy versus Costaman. The whole event, to be honest, is a great event. There was some good finishes. There was some good fights. Um, Sajari Eubanks who I feel like they're really trying to push but I just don't think she has the skills to to, you know I mean the UFC hype machine I feel is really trying to push her but she's not getting the results needed you know that way the UFC can hype anyone you know look at Connor. the UFC hype machine works but you need to have results to back it up because otherwise you can, you can put millions and millions of euro into sorry I'm going to just close this window you can put millions of euro into one person to try and make them a star, but if they're not winning, it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I'd recommend it. UFC 253, incredible card. If you're not interested, if you can find highlights on Twitter maybe, I don't know how people watch their fights. I tend to just watch them live. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can always find highlights somewhere or another. Um, Adesanya versus Costa incredible fight i definitely recommend watching it um and i mean look we've gone on 40 minutes i wanted to keep this at around a half an hour um and you know i'm not gonna cut on it i'm gonna leave everything in it's gonna be just raw um yeah that's pretty much it guys i think i've covered most of the stuff i want to cover and if i haven't 
hopefully unless uh, like I have another appendix or something else needs to be taken from my body I should be uploading again before the end of the week sometime you know that way I'm gonna just have to go and live life for a while and come up with a few thoughts that I want to actually talk about because my god this week of recovery from the appendix I mean I was just lying, I was just in bed for a lot of it you know or in the house just crippled out I wasn't crippled over in pain I don't want to be dramatic either but just kind of discomfort and pain look I'm gonna stop with the fucking sob story here um, if you made it this far I mean congratulations I feel like I should give you something and you know what you know what, maybe, maybe I actually will be able to give you something soon. You know, there's some keeps coming, there's some, what? There's some space, what am I trying to say? There's some shit coming down the pipeline. No, that just sounds like a fucking storage tunnel. There's some, I'm working on some things down the line. Yes, that's going to be good. Um, Watch this space and all that. Alright, thanks for listening guys, peace.